So if I were to tell you that the, the warmongers out there, both in media as well as in our government, that the vast majority of them, maybe just a majority, I don't want to say vast majority, that might be overkill, but I would say a majority of them that are pushing, beating the war drums, pushing for us to intervene in Ukraine, that the majority of them are actually compromised. Compromised in some way. Perhaps they've been bribed. Perhaps they've, they've been literally blackmailed. Okay? Perhaps they have some future or current considerations that need to be applied, and the, the, the people that are applying the pressure are saying, hey, we need war. We need you guys to put in a no-fly zone in Ukraine. We need you to have direct military conflict with Russia. And so they're saying, if you don't push this concept, then guess what? We're going to stop paying you, or we're going to to expose you for whatever it is, that, whatever dirt we have over you. Now, if I were to tell you this, you would probably say, yeah, that that's, could be the case. You are my audience. You guys are the smartest people in the world. And therefore, you guys already know that this is almost certainly happening. The problem with all of this, the problem we have with all of this stuff is the fact that if it is happening, who is the one behind it? Is it going to be the military-industrial complex? I don't think so. I'm not to say that they're not doing it, but I think for certain, the place where we need to look as having the most influence over these people is the Chinese Communist Party. There was an article written very recently by my, my arguably my best writer. J.B. Shirk has been with me at Knock Report, NOQ Report, from the beginning. And he's, I mean, I agree with him about 95% of the time. He's, he's really good. And now he's writing everywhere. He's writing at American Thinker. He's writing in all these places. He he hasn't forgotten about me, I promise. I don't think. He sends me an email every few months just to say, hey. But <laughs> but anyway, he posted an article that really illuminates, I think, a lot of the information that we need to know in order to, to have an understanding of what the Chinese Communist Party is doing, why they're doing it, and most importantly, how they're going to accomplish it if we don't stop them. And by stopping them, that means exposing them. This is the only way that we can do it. Okay, I know a lot of times I'm stuck with these stories where I have to just give bad news and I don't have a solution. And that seems to be more and more common nowadays. It's not like we can just go out and protest the Chinese Communist Party. You know, it's not like we can just write our congressman and say, hey, you know, your your buddies, your friends are are they're they're being paid by the Chinese Communist Party. What are you going to do about it? You know, we don't know who's getting paid. We don't know who's being blackmailed. We don't know who is under the control, which is why we can't go to corporate media. So all we can do at this point is to continue to try to expose. And I think that that you know, is, I don't know if I want to call it worthy, but at this stage, it's the best we can do. You know, maybe you have better ideas, and I would love to hear those. Okay, please let me know. If you've got some ideas, let me know. JDRucker at Substack.com. How do we fight this? But let me turn to JB's article. It's titled, War is Too Serious to be Left to Washington Politicians. I'm going to read parts of this, and I want to, to just to, so you guys can have an, an overview, and I want to do a little bit of commentary about what he's saying, because it is so true. Great change is afoot. People can feel it. The post-World War II global order is cracking. At a minimum, a renewed Cold War mindset is driving a permanent wedge between the U.S. EU Atlantic Bloc and strategic competitors in Russia and China are unwilling to yield their national sovereignties to, quote, rules-based systems run from the office suites in Brussels, Washington, D.C., New York City, and the City of London. As with any zero-sum struggle between competing systems, though, the potential for Cold Wars to turn kinetically hot is high. Will the war in Ukraine stay in Ukraine, or will NATO allies find cause to engage Russia directly? 
Where are the red lines these days? Nobody seems to know. At the same time, traditional avenues for de-escalation and normal di diplomatic stopgaps have largely been thrown out the window. The West has declared linguistic war on all things Russian in a fit of pique, and the Russian people, not surprisingly, increasingly view the U.S.-led West with great apprehension and even enmity. Appeals to emotion within both societies are quickly overtaking sober restraint in common sense. Tempers have begun to boil over, and mixed messaging from D.C. and the E.U. has only added a dangerous accelerant of confusion to an already smoldering tinderbox. With a vaunted cyber warfare program that allows Russia to cause more harm to its enemies than it achieves with traditional munitions while gaining some measure of plausible deniability, hybrid warfare affecting banking systems, power grids, and supply chains makes total war upon civilian populations inevitable. At the same time, the relative anonymity of cyber attacks makes it increasingly difficult for hostile parties to distinguish acts of war from criminal mischief or even nuisances. The likelihood of misidentification of cyber aggressors compounds the risk of mistaken intentions, unwarranted retaliations, and lethal engagements. Just as hybrid warfare complicates traditional rules of engagement, it also presents ample opportunity for false flag events to be used as cover for quickly ratcheting up conflicts. Narrative engineering has become a potent weapon for governments, and for this reason, propaganda and information warfare are replacing free speech and debate in Russia as well as throughout the West. Again, this type of state control over mass communication and the criminalization of dissenting opinion magnify the probability for lethal misunderstanding, misattribution, and mistakes. I want to stop there because we've basically, what we're seeing here is the potential for a massive cyber attack upon not just the United States, but the world. But I'm not too worried about the world. I want to focus on, on the, an attack on the United States. We're not talking about just, oh, you know, there's a cyber attack. There's a bug going around. There's, there's some malware going around. Don't click on your links. I'm talking about a massive cyber attack that could take down the entire internet. Okay. And if the internet is down for an extended period of time, that will be mass chaos. I assure you, the economy will not be able to survive. We as a society have become so addicted. I'm not just talking about, oh, I'm addicted to Facebook or I'm addicted to TikTok or YouTube or CNN or, you know, I'm not talking about that type of addiction. I'm talking about the addiction of our entire economy. So much is based on the internet. Chances are, tell me if I'm wrong, but chances are you're listening to this right now on the internet. You have an internet connection that is allowing you to listen to this, or maybe you downloaded it, but either way, you downloaded it from the internet. This is my method of generating revenue. This is my income. This is how I support my family. So, so yeah. So, I mean, obviously people like me will be greatly affected if the internet is down for an extended period of time. And by the way, if you do want to help out, you can always go to noqreport.com slash give. That's noqreport.com slash give. And you can help me to support my family. I would greatly appreciate it. And God bless you for that. But I digress. Here's the thing, though. No matter what, the thing with cyber attacks, you know, you see missiles coming in. You can kind of track them and figure out where they came from. And people can, can see where they came from. And you can see videos from it. And you can see radar tracking and all this other stuff. With a cyber attack, it's the narrative that controls it. You could, it could be a cyber attack from China. It could be a cyber attack from the World Economic Forum. It could be a cyber attack from inside the United States of America itself. And it will still get blamed on Russia. I'm not saying that Russia won't do it. Okay. I think that Russia is probably the most capable 
of pulling off such a massive cyber attack of any nation nation out there. They, you know, with the slight potential that the United States might be equal to or better, as well as the slight potential that Israel may be, may be equal or better. Those are the only, those three, okay? Russia, United States, and Israel. Our ability to uh, commit cyber attacks is greater than North Korea or China or Iran or Saudi Arabia or anybody in Europe, you know, any of the known players. Now, that's not to say that you couldn't get a group of, of really good cyber hacks out there. They could, the China couldn't just pay them and blackmail them or whatever and, and get the best of the best. We know that that's always potential as well. The point being is this, is that what JB is describing here is the potential for a cyber attack that could be used as the, the predicate to launch World War III if these these politicians and pundits can't drive enough people to to support this policy, this concept, this idea of no-fly zones and attacking Russia and, and defending Ukraine, you know, for, for what? They're not our ally, okay? Sorry, but they're not. I feel badly for the people of Ukraine. I would love to help them. I would love to help them any way that we could, but not the line that, you know, where where uh, JB mentioned that we don't know where the red line is. To me, the red line is we do not get involved in mil- direct military conflict whatsoever. Our bullets, our missiles, our jets, our tanks, our troops do not get anywhere close to, nowhere close to a Russian. I don't even want there to be the possibility of a misunderstanding. I don't want an accidental. I don't even want them to be able to say, oh, there's we're close to troops. Let's use this as an opportunity to start a false flag you know, get it on video and change. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what what, what this all could be. All I know is this, is that I don't want to see that. And I think that that should be our national red line. Unfortunately, it seems that the people of the Chinese Communist Party are very much against that. They will gain tremendously. They will gain the most, more so even in the military industrial complex in the United States. The Chinese Communist Party would gain the most if there is a kinetic war between the United States and or NATO and in uh, the Soviet um, the Soviet Union. Wow, old school. Russia. So let me return to this this article. While all eyes are on Eastern Europe, China is busy gobbling up strategic Pacific real estate, island hopping from Samoa to the Solomon Islands in a steady effort to supplant regional American partnerships with its own, simultaneously expanding its naval presence near Alaska and Hawaii while whipping up a public frenzy at home in support of invading Taiwan, China is committed to shattering American influence in Asia and American hegemony over the Pacific. It is becoming increasingly undeniable that China has been preparing for this moment ever since the United States welcomed the communist country into the World Trade Organization over 20 years ago. The Chinese Communist Party has aggressively sought to influence Western politics and politicians through a combination of campaign lobbying, personal business engagement, and financial inducement that, if not explicitly illegal, has nonetheless wreaked of corruption and quid pro quo. Now, folks, this is the reason, by the way, this is the reason why this whole Hunter Biden thing is so dangerous. So this needs, uh, there's absolutely positively no reason why there should not be a special counsel assigned immediately to look into this. We cannot trust the Department of Justice. Oh, but they're unbiased. They're, you know, they don't work for a political party or they don't work for, yeah, they do. Okay. We've already learned that. If you still think that the Department of Justice is not against America, then you're, you haven't been paying attention. I'm talking about even Trump's Department of Justice. I'm talking about Bill, Bill Barr, okay? I'm talking about Obama's Department of Justice, which is still very much in control of the Department of Justice through their deep state proxies. And of course, yes, Joe Biden's uh, 
Department of Justice is not going to go over or properly handle the the Hunter Biden situation. And this is dangerous. We need to know. Is the son of the President of the United States compromised by China or Ukraine or Russia or anybody else that he's played with over the years? Is he compromised? I think the answer is obviously yes. So then the question is, is Joe Biden compromised? That's what we have to know. And that's a question that I, it shocks me that not more people are asking this. Why aren't more, and I'm not, I know you guys are, don't get me wrong. I know there's plenty of people on Twitter and Facebook and Getter and, and whatever, you know, Truth Social and Gab and everywhere else saying, oh yeah, we got it. You know, why is there an investigation? Joe Biden's compromised. We hear it within our, within our little bubble, within our, our echo chamber of conservatism and patriotism and MAGA and America first. But the rest of the world, the rest of America doesn't hear any of this. Okay. They're not hearing it from CNN, Fox News, or any of the other corporate media types. They're not seeing it on the friends they're following on social media. And the fact, but, but here's the thing that bugs me is that they shouldn't need to see it. They should know. I mean, this is, this, now, once the New York Times said, hey, the Hunter Biden laptop was real, anybody who thought it was fake should be looking into it, okay? Doesn't matter if they read New York Times or WAPO or whatever, they should be looking into this, finding out what it is, and then saying to themselves, holy crap, holy crap. Hunter Biden is definitely compromised, and so probably, too, is Joe Biden. People should be saying this, except they're not. not again, you and, you and me excluded, you know, notwithstanding. But everybody else should be saying it as well, and they're not. And that bugs me to death. How back to the article. So, in exchange for U.S. politicians' complicity in orchestrating and and uh, the largest intercontinental transfer of wealth in world history from the paychecks and savings of the U.S. middle class to the bank accounts and military budgets of the CCP, China has doubled down on U.S. political susceptibility by to graft by engaging in two decades of government espionage, trade secrets and industrial theft, commodity dumping, currency manipulation, and rampant violations of human rights by luring the U.S. into a state of economic dependency upon its cheap manufacturing, rare earth materials, and raw earth materials, and regular use of slave labor, China has effectively engaged in hybrid economic warfare that has devastated American wealth and self-sufficiency without requiring the firing of a single shot. While crippling U.S. economy might... <clears throat> while, sorry, while crippling U.S. economic might, it has hooked American politicians on the opium of its sweet monetary kickbacks and too many American citizens on the importation of its deadly fentanyl. As China sat back and watched the U.S. wasted lives, resources, and trillions of dollars on two decades of war producing minimal strategic success, the CCP used its ill-gotten American-transferred wealth to transform its military into a global powerhouse and to erect its own worldwide rules-based system under the harmless-sounding chameleon-like Belt and Road Initiative. I wish I could read this whole thing. I really do, because it, it's it's intriguing. There's uh, there's probably about five more minutes worth of reading, and I've got about two more minutes to talk. So I'm going to say this. The Chinese Communist Party will gain the most if the United States and Russia were to go to war and assuming that it's, you know, I mean, number one, that's World War Three, and we could see literally the entire world blown up as a result. Okay. But I think that China doesn't believe that will happen. I don't think that Russia thinks that will happen. I don't think the United States thinks that will happen. They think there may be limited nuclear use. There may be limited or there will be major warfare, but either way, China can sit back and do nothing. They can watch as the other two big kids on the block beat themselves to a pulp 
and then they emerge victorious. This is why I am certain, so many other people are certain, that the Chinese Communist Party is behind this push for people like Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney and you know Sean Hannity and Hillary Clinton, all these people that are pushing for war. There's a reason for it, and it's the Chinese Communist Party. I'm certain of it. Watch yourself. Watch who you're listening to, because just it's, this is no longer a right versus a left issue. There are people on both sides of the fence who are pushing for this, for war with Russia. And just as there are people on both sides of the fence pushing for there to not be war with Russia. We have to stay firm. We cannot be, be misled by all of the propaganda out there. And I know there's so much of it. Just stay diligent and spread the word. Spread the word. Make sure people are aware of it. Lord willing, I will be back very soon with another episode. But in the meantime, you all stay strong, stay safe, and God bless. <laughs>